This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of the MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss uh, an upturn in form for Aston Villa ahead of uh, the break for the uh, World Cup. Are we allowed to say FIFA and Qatar? No. (laughs) (laughs) FIFA and Qatar, World Cup. Joining me, Mr. Chris Budd, Mr. Phil Shaw, and Mr. Dan Rogers from villaunderground.com. Welcome, gents. Hello, hello. Hello. Hello, hello all. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm all right. I I just got back from Dublin, where uh, one of the days involved bumping into Dan Rogers, uh, of all people. We we could have recorded the podcast there and then. We should have done it. We could have cut out the other two. I mean, um... (laughs) (laughs) to get the goodest sponsorship sorted, though. We we I, may have sampled some, and it, it's uh, yeah. it's it was a bit of a weird one. Well, I took the red eye that morning. I had some work at short notice. So I thought, yeah, I'll get out there. And I and I, as you guys will have seen, I sent it probably mid mid to late afternoon. I sent a, a snap of where I was, <laughs> and and uh, David said, "I'm nearby." You were literally in the two streets away. Just happened to be walking a dog as well, uh, randomly as well. So yeah, we uh, we we uh, toasted consecutive league victories. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> just a first. I think. This is how we do it now. <laughs> now, uh, normally people uh, fly off to to celebrate league titles and uh, you know European cups or sorry Champions Leagues, but back to back wins. We're we're off. We're at da- straight down the airport, off to far off lands. Well, Dublin. Two in a row. <laughs> to celebrate Mid-table two in a row. obscurity, let's go. Oh, yes. Clink some uh, Guinness to uh, mid-table uh, obscurity. It's crazy. We've now won three out of our last four games. And previously, before that, we'd won two out of 11. So uh, that's more than continual progress, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. And we're probably a little bit unlucky to lose the, the one we did. Mm. That's gargantuan progress, uh, if you're asking personally. It's like... <laughs> it's- it's like- pointing the ship in the right direction. It'd be great if you came out and saying, uh, I've spoken to the new owners and uh, the ambition now is gargantuan progress. <laughs> <laughs> and an additional star on the badge. 
Right, uh, coming up in the show, we will uh, discuss our uh, first away win. Was it first away, first away win, what, for five seasons or uh, just this season? <laughs> it feels like a very long time. As well as uh, catching up uh, with the Villa News, quite a few things doing the rounds. Uh, I think the North Stand, uh, the politics behind that, uh, the revamp has got a big tick with uh, it being included in the preliminary list of stadiums for uh, the UK and Ireland's. Uh, Euro bid for uh, the year 2028. Also, uh, an update on uh, Mr. John Carew, who we mentioned in the three points. What happened to him, as well as getting into uh, the three points that bring up uh, quite an uh, an audacious uh, loan move for uh, Erlen Haaland, which uh, made me chuckle, I, I must admit. We'll also uh, obviously break down the Brighton game and uh, look ahead to... Uh, how we are sitting now in terms of uh, Emery's uh, revolution. Uh, we'll also uh, get out Emery's clipboard for another game of Emery's clipboard, as well as uh, rounding off the show with some reasons to be cheerful. Right, uh, I think it's time for some news. The whole news seems to be uh, dominated by uh, that Christian Ronaldo uh, interview. Should we uh, talk about that or should we get into the Villa news? Let's not give Pierce Morgan any more airtime than he already gets, eh? Move along. He's a master at getting there. I must admit. Yeah, master at gaslighting. Yeah. Right. Uh, first of all, our uh, game against Leeds has been uh, moved forward to uh, Friday night in January. Is it January Bastard. the th- 13, I think it is. Second week of January, yeah. Yep. Uh, after the Spurs game was moved from New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. So there's another Saturday, 3 p.m., uh, dissipating like dust. Meanwhile, uh, another friendly has been added to, to our mid-season uh, friendly list. Uh, we also have a fixture against Cardiff away, but this one uh, on the 15th of December is against Villarreal, the Villa Villa Emery Derby. So uh, we look forward to that. Speaking of uh, the midterm break, uh, only four Villa players are off to the World Cup in Qatar. Thanks for that, Gerard. I don't mind it, actually. but I can't, I'd rather watch the World Cup with Villa players in. Mm-hmm. But then you've got this unique situation that we're in where we've got a new manager and there's a six-week midterm break and, you know, my... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Appetite for this World Cup is perhaps less than others because of the circumstances and, you know, it actually being a midterm one. I mean, it should never be taking place when it is, but uh, that's another show. But only uh, Southampton Palace, Bournemouth, uh, who are both contributing two players to the World Cup and Leeds with three have less players at the World Cup. And it is kind of an indication of where we've been at in uh, recent times because, you know, Watkins outside chance... Mings should have been probably there if Filler were doing all right. You know, Filler yeah. were on par, I would say. And also the French boys, uh, I think they injuries, I suppose, have also played a part as well. Maybe yeah, uh, Lucas time. Dean would have got in there if Filler were uh, flying a bit higher and he uh, had been a bit more regular as well, injury-wise. But hey-ho. Also, finally, the uh, new badge or new crest has uh, been announced after a vote. Uh, over 21,000, well, 21,500 fans took part in the vote. Uh, that's members and season ticket holders. 77% of the fans voted for the round design as 
perhaps most people thought that would win. 23% voted for the gas lamp stroke shield design, while uh, 8% voted to keep the current crest. I think that was half the battle won, was uh, any design really would probably trump the existing design. So that was going to be easy. But uh, the reason why they have this vote is to create evidence for the FA as part of the new rules that came in at July. Aston Villa are the first club to uh, change its crest since the fan-led review uh, led to these new FA rules. Uh, that's why you have a vote to keep the current crest. Uh, so that suggests fans are very much uh, wanting to change it. And then obviously you have uh, a two-badge vote to have clarity rather than like three options or four options. And there's nothing new, is there, with this uh, design, really? So there's a bit of a meh kind of attitude to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that was it 21,500 fans voted is not exactly what you call high engagement. No. <clears throat> yeah, you, you would uh, expect a little bit more. I mean, you know, I wasn't that... After going through a consultation process where I went to four meetings for this, uh, I mean, you know, I'm going to... I'll document what happened in a uh, My Old Man Said Members uh, podcast and uh, also in an upcoming uh, newsletter, uh, astonvilla.wtf. Uh, and I, I just think the whole design process was hum- humstrung by a very narrow brief with the club uh, clinging on to that fan survey which really should have been consulted on because there was absolutely no nuance about you know where the star should go or anything it was like it was just simply like lion star and that was it no real nuances for fans to vote or give their insights into anything else and no remit for the designers to do anything uh, different either which uh, we we encourage as supporters but obviously they weren't listening uh, and uh, you know it's unfortunate at the, at the end of the day it's just like whatever it's only a badge and you know that badge is kind of okay I'll, I'll take it that I it, it's yellow Aston Villa writing and uh, 1874 on the badge because it basically I told them it that the, the previous blue writing just you just couldn't see it and it didn't pop, and uh, they did change it on my recommendation. So, you know, at least uh, saved one attribute of it. But uh, ultimately, uh, yeah, I missed an opportunity, but uh, do we have a better badge than we did? Yes, I would say so. So uh, there's continual improvement for you. (laughs) However small. (laughs) Gargantuan improvement. Not gargantuan improvement, though. Oh, I retract it. Yes, I will specify. Only continual, not gargantuan. Right, uh, Aston Villa has been, uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, uh, added to a list of... Is it 14? I thought it was 10. It's 14 and it gets whittled down. Yeah. Right. The, the one in Belfast will be whittled down because they haven't even put a brick in it to build it. Hey, yet, come so. on, Qatar didn't stop Qatar. Mm. <laughs> Similarities are pretty accurate. Aston Villa are in a preliminary list of 14 stadiums for the UK, Ireland, Euro 28 bids. Uh, I mean, the importance of that from an Aston Villa point of view is uh, Villa Park needs to be in this list and then Definitely. you will... You will get the, uh, let's say, the government on side for this revamp of uh, Villa Park, and then suddenly the train companies will have to tow the line because it's part of the, uh, you know, the national bid for this. Very this is clever. What pe- people were saying, local councillors, you, you need to get them to sign off. So no, much no, bigger no. than that. So much bigger than this, and this was a key part of that because once you've 
once you're in the big national uh, Euro bid, basically all these bureaucrats with their red tape are going to have to shuffle along and get the job done. So, it's so we, like we a, may yet get the theme park and the monorail. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. <laughs> so it's uh, it's like Perseille will be able to crack the whip now, uh, for want of a better term, uh, to get this... Uh, it's a very Qatari approach to things. He <laughs> 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 might finally get his bridge painted. We were trying to get that sucker painted well before uh, Perseille came along. He could be the man to achieve that, and it would have taken a Euro's bid... A redevelopment of the stadium. <laughs> it's not easy getting a bridge painted, but this is all, you know, this is the main goal was to get that fucking Witten Bridge painted. That's, and, that's the end goal in all of this. Yeah. It's taken, and, it's taken us going up to 50,000 seats, a few hundred million, but we're getting a bridge done. The continual improvement is a new stand, increased capacity, better train links. The gargantuan improvement is a repainted Witten train bridge. No, we just need to get the Just Stop Oil protesters to throw some claret paint over it. <laughs> <laughs> What, like they did at the bank in Birmingham this week? Did they? Oh, dear. Yeah, it was on Broad Street. Oh, no, New Street. I think it was Barclays that got the treatment. We digress. Meanwhile, at the Villa Women uh, are taking advantage of uh, the men flying off on holiday. Yes, players have flown off for like 10 days. And the Villa women are, are up, I think they've got two dates, haven't they, at Villa Park? Yeah, there's Reading and Arsenal, isn't there? A bit yeah. So this Sunday they will entertain Reading in a game that they would probably hope to win if they want to uh, follow up from that Liverpool win. And uh, basically they've got to beat the teams around the middle of the table to uh, get to where they want to be. In kind of... Uh, Distant related uh, Villa news, uh, John Carew, he has received a uh, 14 months imprisonment. Is that he has to serve it or is it going to be reduced and he has to do like a couple of months? How does Norwegian law work? Maybe we should uh, (laughs) get on a Norwegian law expert. But he's also been fined and I I can't remember if it's euros or pounds. uh, Normally people are lazy when they're reporting it. So let's say circa uh, 45,000 pounds for tax evasion for uh, income outside of uh, Norway, which he hasn't declared or... uh, He's trying to make out that uh, his representative uh, didn't declare it and he just trusts him. He tried to make that out by pleading guilty, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Not the strongest defence in a court of law. Meanwhile, uh, from the same era of Villa player, Gary Cahill has announced his retirement from the game. Be forever remembered for the overhead kick at the halt end against the Blues and for being sold by Martinunio. For pennies. Ugh. Well, it was a few million, wasn't it? It wasn't four million, wasn't it? Yeah. It and wasn't. his replacement, Zat Knight. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, and Curtis Davis, the <laughs> <Hurrah>. player. <laughs> and we spent quite a bit on old Curtis Davis. It was closer to like eight, nine million, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Martin. Someone could write a book about it, couldn't they? Meanwhile, the clone of John McGinn scored a, a scorcher, <laughs> picking up the ball from his own half at Scotland, uh, running it all the way and hitting it from outside the box uh, to score a consolation goal against Turkey in uh, an f- international friendly. Superb strike. Great uh, goal. We need to swap these clones, I think, and get the Scotland John McGinn to play for Villa. Mm. Pe- people saying, oh, you know, we don't play him in his right position. If you can run the length of the field, it doesn't matter where you play. <laughs> exactly. If you're picking up the ball in your own half and then scoring, it doesn't matter where, where you're Maybe playing. he was just really glad to be away from Villa for a bit. <laughs> right, so let's get on uh, to more nefarious uh, news items. It's time for Medium Muppets. <laughs> Pits. 
Right, Mr. Phil Shaw, what's in the trough this week? Well, what do we want to talk about this week? Is it Jimmy Carragher, the honorary Brighton fan? Because anybody that had to listen to the Sky Sports commentary team... That was bizarre, wasn't it? He doubled down and trebled down on... uh, It was all about the the Lucas Dinas incident, wasn't it? That penalty. It was. I mean, I've never heard them turn... A a co-commenter turn around and ask the crowd what they thought as well. I mean, he was really playing with the crowd. Live TV. Yeah, he seemed to be obsessed by that. I don't know if it's like a Gerard hangover. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the ultimate test, if, if they flipped that and that went against Villa, what would you say? In real time, it's not a penalty, but in, in VAR, you can make anything look like a penalty when you slow it down. What else? Anything else worth mentioning? Next with this headline from the Birmingham Mail, Cristiano Ronaldo, Aston Villa prediction made after explosive Man United interview. So what's, <laughs> what's the prediction? <laughs> so, so they're interviewing Ronaldo about, this is uh, Piers Morgan, um, what's he going to talk about? He's going to talk about Aston Villa, is he? About their no. chances this season? Or signing for them, maybe? I mean, would you want them? No. <laughs> no? But um, no, it's just, be, they've, they've concluded that because of this interview with Piers Morgan, he's never going to play for United again, which means his last game for United, his last appearance, was the 3-1 victory for Villa at Villa Park. They've turned that into a news item, that's incredible. Yep, they've turned, yep. Have. Impressive, actually. Yeah. Yeah, very impressive. And finally, we'll go back to Sky. So you may have noticed in the Carabao Cup game, um, Sky Sports were cozying up to popular YouTuber iSpeed Show, or Speed for short. We we were at the game, so we don't know about these shenanigans. You may have seen him. I saw him outside the ground. He was outside. I don't like even know who prick. he is. So they were trying, in their effort to be down with the kids, that's what they were doing. But they went further than that because he's got about three million followers on YouTube. They thought, right, we'll make take advantage of this. We'll actually have him presenting segments for Sky Sports and make a big thing of it. So that's what they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they hadn't done their due diligence because once they found out that he'd been banned from Twitch and other outlets for misogynistic behaviour, <laughs> um, they had to, they had to go and delete all his um, content that he'd created for Sky at that game. Ah, oh, so. brilliant. <laughs> Three million followers. It's almost as much as Al Mohammadi, isn't it? <laughs> Nearly. Yeah, you'll never, never get to those levels. Uh, anything more positive in uh, Villa Media Nuggets? Well, most people have noticed that ex-Villa manager Martin O'Neill has been doing a press tour promoting his new book. So there's been a, a, a couple of things that have, I wouldn't say raised eyebrows, because most of the information you could have already guessed there. It's a bit sycophantic. I mean, I, I thought about it, getting an interview with him. I mean, as, you know, the main reason I don't really bother with interviews is because, you know, I spent 10 years doing them. And, you know, this is more about supporters. You know, the, the emphasis of my old man said is about supporters and what supporters think. We don't really care about revisionist players or managers. Now you've seen a lot of sycophantic content with him. You think, well, maybe I should interview him. <laughs> There's one snippet that probably is right that was taken out of the interview was a bit more about his own sort of like character and personality when he talked about uh, a conversation he had with Alan Parry, who he knew from Wickham Wonders. And when he talked about resigning, he goes, well, Martin, you would you would resign if someone took your parking space. So that just shows you sort of like the knife edge that he, he lived on. So. Well, I think it's just a strength of character. He got to rule a roost over Villa. It was uh, his way of the highway. Yeah. And Randy Lerner's structure was you know, basically ended up being a CEO who used to be his assistant who didn't really know football, Mr. Faulkner. And then everything was down to O'Neill and there was so actual few staff at that kind of top level compared to what there is now. It's kind of astonishing. So if O'Neill had such power that if he wasn't happy, then Villa were, were, were very vulnerable. Yeah, absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's what happened. 
and you end up with Hobby Bay. Phil, Phil you said something off air. There was a there was a word you used to, to describe him that I hadn't heard before, but the, the definition was, I thought, bang on. Yeah, I mean, it's the word is over in Northern Ireland, it's thran. That's what it is. You're just thran. That's what it is. It's like it's like the ultimate form of stubbornness. You'll just, it's like there's no malice intended in what you do, but whenever like the red mist comes down, you will just burn yourself and everything around you and leave the room like the, the pure anger. And that's, I think that's like just what happened. Downing. Yeah, just double yeah. down. And he's, Mr. O'Neill was just too thran. Which would, which would, Sort of summarise the end of, of his reign at Villa perfectly, wouldn't it? Yeah. We threw his toys out of the pram and yeah. went, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So on to the three points. Point number one in the League One game, Cambridge versus Bolton. Uh, it's obviously been uh, Remembrance Week uh, ahead of uh, the World Cup. And uh, in the Cambridge versus Bolton League One game, four armed forces personnel took charge of the game. Game finished nil-nil, uh, but uh, one sending off for Bolton. So uh, the armed forces got to uh, dish out a bit of discipline at least, but uh, a nice symbolic touch there. Point number two, Ashton United of the Northern Premier League. This is maybe something that uh, Wrexham should have done because obviously they, you know, welcome to Wrexham is in shooting its second season and this would have been a good little gambit. So Ashton uh, United put in a loan offer for Manchester City, Erlen Haaland. Obviously, uh, Norway haven't qualified for the World Cup. So the idea was the non-league side would uh, be able to keep him fit. They said they reached out to their neighbours at the Atied in order to keep Haaland's match fitness up with him not being involved in Qatar. Uh, obviously, it was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek offer. But the non-league side's manager, Michael Clegg, said the move did make sense. City aren't playing. We want to help by keeping Erlin fit, and it makes more sense than him playing golf for six weeks. We think he would be a great fit for us and would slot into our squad dynamic very well. Sure, he would fit in any yeah. team's uh, dynamic, really. <laughs> Under Gerard, how would he have looked? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah okay 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 maybe not uh, Villa under Gerard. Uh, point number three back in Qatar after paying foreign fans for favourable reviews uh, well influences of the upcoming World Cup locals are now being paid to pretend to be fans in the build up to the tournament it was explained that the Qatari government uh, had been practising a strategy of enabled fandom by handing out free flags and banners so people could participate in the celebrations and identify with the teams of other nations coming to the tournament. External staff are also these like people like doing music there and uh, technical, technical engineers, etc. Have been uh, told that they shouldn't use the words FIFA and Qatar in social media posts. I think is that so? If they're saying something nasty about Qatar, yeah, then it doesn't come up in the searches. It's basically to damn. They're trying to they're trying to limit their, the exposure, aren't they? Yeah, really that went well, didn't it? When you know the the Danish was it the Danish press were yeah uh, so they're their cameras with having their cameras smashed up. There was other press, stuff. I think, yeah. uh, that were were told to delete their photos whilst they're in the press area taking photos of the World Cup slogan. Once the fans get there. You can't stop thousands and thousands of foreign tourists posting stuff. But will there be thousands? Well, and thousands this is the question. I do wonder. Yeah. What, I haven't seen any stats about how many England fans are going over. Like you know, the official travel club, etc. I haven't seen that yet. I've heard that England's uh, official cardboard cutout army are off <laughs> 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 after uh, after performing so well at, uh, in the lockdown period. They've been sent out to Qatar. This is just surreal, isn't it? That it's just it's a non a complete anti World Cup. What a, what on earth 
have they done? I mean, how many times do we have to say this? But, you know, we're just mentioning uh, Villa Park being on the list of stadiums, you know, the vetting all these stadiums for the Euros bid. Qatar didn't have any stadiums. <laughs> so one, one of the stadiums is in like a, like, what is it, in a in a area yeah, that has a population of 11,000 people that live there. Of 11,000. It's like the population of Qatar is about three million, and Berlin's bigger. Like Birmingham's <laughs> half, half uh, you know, half the population of the whole of the country of Qatar. It's an absolute joke, and they managed to get away with it. They shoehorned it in with a double uh, bidding with Russia's bid at the same time. You know, that was part of the strategy to get both of them over the line. Bidding was as corrupt as fuck. They didn't have any stadiums. They they haven't got the fucking temperature to play the game when the World Cup should be played in the summer, and it spoiled that whole summer vibe. Yeah. So on no level did it ever it did it make any sense to supporters. You need serious Muller to get over to. Uh, Qatar, assuming, and then, you know, 12 quid yeah, a beer. I'm assuming you can stomach the outrageous human rights abuses and infringements upon basic norms that we enjoy in the West, you know? Yeah, but that's, that's you know, respect the culture when you go there. It's like, that's, you know, I've been to Qatar for a month. It was the first place I've ever been uh, abroad. And uh, you can't just waltz around going, well, you know, this is how it should be. But at the same time, like when you're building mm-hmm. a place, you know, you're not killing thousands exactly. of people. That's uh, That's... That's another thing. But, you know, in terms of uh, dress codes and, you know, the respecting the laws of a land, then, you know, that's fair enough. So you see some journalists kind of moaning about things and it's like, well, you know, that's their culture. So, you know, respect their culture when you're on their land. But, of course, uh, throwing all those deaths and it's like, yeah, you gotta, you've got a massive stadium extension plan to be done in a short period and they've got to be working in like 50 degree heat. I remember as a kid in being in Qatar frying eggs on car bonnets and stuff for breakfast. It's like you don't really want to be doing construction in those conditions. Anyway, we digress yet again. <laughs> Before we go on, I just want to say a massive thank you as always to the My Old Man Said members for supporting the show, having good taste and contributing via Match Club to the ecosystem of My Old Man Said. After we finish recording this show, we will do uh, the weekly after-hour show for My Old Man Said members, and that will be about uh, what we've heard the players are thinking about uh, working under Mr. Emery. So uh, if you're a member, watch out for that. And if you're not a member, then join us, because you'll get access to ad-free versions of all these shows, as well as the uh, extra after-hour show, which is weekly, on top of other audio delights and other extra shows including one which uh, i'll do in the next few days uh, on the badge new crest consultation period which i've been promising uh, for a few weeks now i'll go through the whole process of what happened behind the scenes on that and you also get access to our inner circle match club but please do go to myomansaid.com to click on the uh, members link there for more details. And uh, the biggest thanks this week to uh, the new members, including Adrian Harrison-Jones, Rob Freywin, Robert O'Reilly, John Lusk, Raymond Quindley. And also a big thanks to the annual members as well. If you sign up as an annual member, you do get uh, 10% off, which is just over a month free. So thank you to Will Fieldman, Anders Viken, Andy Clark, and also thank you to uh, Alex Barber for upgrading this month as well. So please do go to myomansaid.com, click on the members link for more details, and hopefully join us. Thank you. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, uh, let's get into uh, the main meat of the show, the Brighton game. The last game we will be able to talk about for about six weeks. What a way to finish. First away game, following up nicely uh, the home win against Manchester United, which broke a 27 year curse our away form has been a curse of this season with us uh, never looked like we were going to win a game and that was a big concern especially if you uh, if we didn't win this game and we took it into uh, a new year not having a, a win to our name this season also uh, a big win in the respect of uh, and it was uh, it was tested the idea of uh, winning from being behind and we were behind uh, very quickly. We've been <laughs> yep. behind this season very quickly indeed. Was it 49 seconds or something? Well, if you're going to give yourself enough time to get back in front, that's the way to do it. Yep. And uh, it was a, an immaculate uh, impression of uh, Robert Olsen by uh, Martinez. <laughs> <which> <laughs> is, like deja vu to the Thursday night game at Old Trafford. Which me and the bird were still licking our wombs uh, from being at, having uh, been ahead twice in that so game. Managed to thinking, self-destruct uh, to get knocked out of a cup game. We should have won again. Incredibly. And then you're thinking, well, you know, maybe it's a one-off and, you know, these players aren't, some of them, uh, you know, Olsen's not your number one keeper. And then you see your number one keeper doing exactly the same thing. And you're thinking, well, we should have listened to Argentina's request and sent him off early. And uh, you might as well have have Olsen in there doing Olsen things. Then, then, Then Martinez doing Olsen things. Get the original guy in. (laughs) But Martinez did make up for it just because he, like a dark wizard started uh, conjuring up his dark arts did he not in terms of time oh, wasting oh it was a, master, a master class at times wasn't it <laughs> it was yet again I, I don't know how many times he's been <laughs> horribly in, horribly injured again on the 80th minute mark yep. it's, yeah. uh, it happens and every the, game and the long ball that came through that he went to catch it just, he just hit the turf and flew I behind I was about oh. to say I saw I saw types of time wasting I'd never seen before. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it was beyond textbook. He wrote a new textbook 
and got another yellow card for it. Yeah, and that's only a second yellow card, however that happened. That's an unbelievable display of unsporting behaviour for about 30 He's minutes. He's just getting warmed up for the World Cup with Argentina, isn't he? They're so winning the World Cup, Argentina. Oh, of course, they're going to shit out the whole thing. Something about that Argentinian team at the moment, especially after the Copa America win, which, you know, was over two decades, they have to wait for that. So I think they all think with obviously Messi, who uh, decided to stick around for one last hurrah, this could be it. But anyway, uh, we got dogs abuse online for being uh, <laughs> oh, dirty was... time wasters. The, cry- the thing is, I mean, Arsenal did it last year from about half time against Villa, but Newcastle did it the very night before against Chelsea. And you know, horrendous tackles, time wasting, just every trick in the book as well. Just exactly the same. And they're lauded for it. And yet when when plucky Aston Villa decide to, to not be plucky anymore and be, you know, absolute shithouses, like everybody, the whole world's knives are out for them. Oh, Carragher was, was quick yeah. in on that as well, wasn't he? Of course. Just going back to the context of uh, the formation, uh, there was rumours that uh, Watkins and Bailey uh, were not going to play and they turned out to be true well especially in Watkins case he was too ill meanwhile uh, Bailey had recovered enough to uh, be on the bench played well when he came on as well Ings came in instead of uh, Watkins and led the line very well I thought and uh, Mr McGinn came in uh, he was a wasn't great against Manchester United midweek as well, was he? No, but it was kind of it was almost his kind of game that Brighton one where it wasn't all about him being on the ball and controlling the game, but you just thought just give us loads of energy and fight for ninety minutes, which he did. And sort did of rough and t- the rough and tumble mm-hmm. nature of the game suited his his game. And it was a great run run to win the penalty as well. It was. That's kind of what you want to see him doing, like really bursting yeah. into the box. Yeah, it's probably one of his better performances of the I season. So. Not that that's saying much. Uh but, I mean, his goal against Turkey, exceptional. And you know, this is what you want. You want him having a bit of belief. So when he comes back, because uh, over those six weeks, Emery will work out what is the role for John McGinn. And, uh, you know, if there is a, a role for John McGinn. Because where where you want to play him ideally, it's just, just not going to happen, I don't think. Because uh, you'd probably want Ramsey in there above him in terms of a more disciplined uh, and somebody who regularly is very good at carrying the ball. And so I think you need, you know, Emery, that's one of the puzzles he's got to think about over the uh, the midterm break. You've finally got two other midfielders now who, um, in, in Kamara and Louise, I mean, Louise is playing probably the, some of the best football of his Villa career now. And Kamara, um, I was very, very impressed with his performance against Brighton. Um, I mean, the one thing I was thinking about McGinn was maybe it will release McGinn to play in, play a role in the squad that we've we've talked about before. That it might not be central, it might not be every game, but I think they, there could be games for him again uh, that suit his style. Oh yeah, no, yeah. For, as mm. a yeah, as a as a squad yeah. match day squad, I think yeah, he's a he's a good player to have. But uh, I was sorry, I was just talking more from a first eleven point of view. But you know, with Emery, he's used every game so far. He's used a full quota of five yeah. subs. But I, I think that's a good thing, and this is a. It was a classic Villa trait and it became, you know, you could put it into even favouritism under the last manager of, of Gerard. but it's good not to have dependency on individual players. You know, we were very dependent Agreed. upon Grealish whilst, whilst he was, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that it's not a bad thing if you can rotate him again and you can, uh, I, I sort of repeat what I say, I... I, I I'm enjoying watching Louise play um, consistently good football, and and Kamara looks like a very looks like he's got so much time and very clever footballer. Um, yeah, um, well, he reads the game good, and he he pops up at the right time. He's uh, that's the most impressive yeah. thing I've, I've kind of 
thought about just it. when you were saying about Ramsey, Ramsey started to develop a, a good way to passing in the final third because you saw a ball he put through for rings, which was just like he took two or three Brighton players out of the game, and he definitely didn't have that in him for the last couple of seasons. So that's that's developing his game. That's we saw it as well when he set up Bailey against United, just that way to three ball, and even Watkins against United the way in the cup as well. Yeah, that's so, a great goal. Yeah, so Ramsey's starting to you know unlock defences with his passes because it's not expected of him. I think I think what we've seen probably in a bit of the, the Brentford game, certainly in the first half, United at home, United away, you know, the last everything basically since Gerard left has been that bit of confidence and belief from these guys. You know, you've seen Ramsey, Buendia, you know, really nice interplay. You know, since some of the goals we've scored have been really well constructed goals. You saw that in you know in the first half against Brighton. And even though we didn't venture forward that often or get much time you know, in their third, I think every time we actually got into the Brighton third, you always felt we were going to hurt them. You know, obviously Buendia hit the post, didn't he, just before the Ings goal, and there were there were various moments in the first half. You thought, no, actually, there's there are some in, incredibly intelligent players here. You just need to kind of refine the plan and how it mm. all fits together, which it, it was so disjointed for so long. You can Gerard, see it coming it, it together. Never though. got put together. Really. You can see it coming together. I mean, I, yeah. I, I thought though it was an open game at times. Um, I sort of picked up on some of the things after the game that you don't notice within it is that we've stopped crossing the ball as much and. That you think, oh, that's got to be a bad thing. But actually, our, bu- our build-up... Yeah, we don't aimlessly throw it in the box, do we? It, 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 Hopeful yeah, crossing, exactly. wasn't it? And I think it's no surprise that the likes of Ings are picking up goals. Um, and, you know, our, we, we're far more direct. But, we, we, you know, people have been... Brighton have scored a lot of goals recently after, you know, they had a bit of a, a barren drawing spell when, when um, their new manager took over. But we limited them to just two chances, you know, and... yeah. That's really good away from home over 90 minutes. And, you know, we jokingly talking about the dark arts, but the, the, the disruption that caused. But though there was an openness to the game, I thought it was a deserved victory in the end. Yeah, um, agreed. And, and and that's not often you say that Villa do that on the road. That's very encouraging. Well, at some at one point in the game, we, we had a back six. We had a, was it a back six and a four at one point. I mean, a bit of history uh, with Emery is, uh, and I wrote about it for the BBC Sport, was... When he inherited uh, Arsenal, they had just have a they just had a terrible uh, away you know a season with Wenger where away from home you know they'd won four games lost eleven so he didn't improve it that much they won seven in that season they finished fifth they had the third best home record they won seven away games uh, I think they lost eight so marginal improvement and all those seven wins were against teams in the lower half. So one of the criticisms towards, uh, well, just from Arsenal fans, was Emery's away form was poor. Now, I thought, you know, the, the emphasis of this piece was what has he learned from that time? And you've kind of seen it against United yeah. at home, against Brighton away in the league. It's like, right, we've got, we're in a position now, 20 minutes to go, whatever, to win this game. We're, we're taking it as it is. We're going to lock yeah. down. And he brings on, you know, he's got like that kind of double, uh, well, it's like a low block, isn't it? Yeah. He brings on, uh, I've, at times you have six or it's like two banks of four, but it, it floods the middle. It's so tight. They're so close together. Together. You can't play through it. And it's anti-football, but it's all about getting a yeah. result. And that it's ruthless. It's ruthless. And, you know, that's, I think, there's a little bit of uh, history from the Arsenal situation where they were fluffing their lines away from home. And, I mean, obviously against United, I think we'd have seen that if we actually held on to our leads uh, in that cup game because we were within a minute after we took the lead, we were level and then within about six minutes. So we never established a pattern, pattern of play where we were heading into the last 20 minutes because I think you'd have seen a similar thing in the cup game as well. But uh, in both the league games, it's it's just been ruthless in terms of, right, five subs, 
to lock this game up. We, yeah. we spoke earlier in the week, David, when we met that that I think some of the the comments about some of Emery's post match comments have been um, refreshing in the st- in the sense that he's actually. Um, reflecting and stating back some of the obvious things to us that he's doing in matches. And the, the, the thing that particularly stood out to me after both the games against United was he observed that um, we, we just stopped playing in the last 15 minutes of those games. And that wasn't the game plan, but he observed and must, you know, I'd be intrigued to know how many times Villa had surrendered surrendered either a point or an entire game in the last 15 minutes. And I'd, I'd venture that was quite often. Um, and so it, it's refreshing to actually have a manager who... Um, it, it's not just media spiel. I think it's very thoughtful. It's highly intelligent. Uh, I'm not saying he's always going to have the tools at the moment to manage his way out of all the scenarios, but but no more than any other manager. What we're talking about, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, was normally it's a one or two substitutions where when a team's locking up the game, they'll take a striker off and put a midfielder on. And that's about it. But this is, when we say it's ruthless, it's like we're talking about He's almost like setting up. A, he's either turning it into a back six, or he's setting up a back yeah. a back four with in front of the back four. It's like a real ruthless, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. which is interesting because normally it's just a, yeah, it's normally a one off taking off a, a winger to bring a more you know central midfielder on to tighten the game up. And but this is like oh no, we're taking this game, we're taking this result. So it's, it's a strategy you know, we're, finally, we're, isn't it? That yeah. But what I'm saying yeah. is it's more ruthless yeah. than than you see generally in football. Yeah. Well, so much we've we've spoke about it, especially with a little bit with Smith massively with Gerard about this thing of you know mentality football versus just winning football and I, don't, I, don't, I think Emery you saw that when he beat United in that cup final in um, Europe a couple of years ago he's not afraid to make it not a spectacle whereas I think so much of the Premier League is about the product and the and the entertainment value and he's like bollocks to that if I have to ruin this game yeah. as a spectacle <laughs> but we win I'll do it and I, I, that's quite refreshing you know because you saw both sides of it, didn't you? You saw in the home game against United, at times, we were absolutely clinical in the final third, and I think we were against Brighton, and for the most part, we're at Old Trafford. We weren't peppering the goal, but every time no, we got into yeah. the final third, I'd love to see, what you know, over those sort of three games, the actual shots on target to goals, the, the ratio has got to be bloody high. Well, it is. I mean, two shots on target against Brighton. And the other one that didn't go in, hit, yeah, th- hit the post. And I think against United, I think it was like four yeah. shots on target, three so I think we, It's almost like the, the players going forward believe that, well, we know we're protected behind us now, probably because of the midfield. I don't necessarily think the problem is solved all of a sudden, but I think it's in a much stronger shape than it was when you think of Louise on in form, Dendonka as an option, and Well, the, the, um, double, and the double pivot. Yeah, it, felt, it just felt so obvious and it felt, feels balanced. And, you've got, and we know we've got the firepower when everyone's at it to go and hurt anyone. We saw it against Man City. We saw it last season at times. We've seen it enough times this season, but it's about the overall. But I like the fact that we can take it to anyone. But if needs be, we'll go, nah, sod that. We'll play a back six. We'll put four in front and we'll leave one up front. Or we'll play like three or just, we just shut the game down. Yeah. You're not shutting the game down from the start. This, no, no, this no. Is, this is something that he does 10 minutes to go uh, to uh, basically secure the result. So you, you're going into it with intent of... Uh, getting in a position where you can shut the game down, essentially. And it wasn't like you felt... You never, you never felt Brighton were kind of... They had a lot of the ball. They didn't do anything with it. They, yeah. just did, they didn't know what to do. You can see that from the, the second goal, if you watch a video, there's a video was doing the rounds there of Matty Cash in it. Now, obviously, Cash gets forward, beats his man and crosses it in for Buendia to head it off the post. But then the camera stays in Cash and he runs as quick as I've ever seen him to get back into his own half, to get back into like that position. So it's it's almost as if they're, they're almost like, like coiled. It's not like what Jared had when he had them just sitting high the whole time they're almost like coiled sort of like springs are just ready to go when it's time go now 
and then get back into your position again. It's like yeah. it's really sort of like like you said, like an assassin. It's like you you strike whenever that's the right moment. You don't just yeah, do you point, your moment. Yeah, I you don't do it pointlessly well. anymore. Yeah, you know the second goal, as you said, the second goal, Louise, who obviously sort of there was a bit of a fuck up on the first goal, but actually went went up the other end, made amends in the second half, pressed on McAllister, get the lucky break, and then Ings. Clinically, who'd have thought, eh? Give Danny Ings good service and he'll score good goals. It really isn't rocket science. Louise's celebration was fantastic as well. Just turned superb, right, wasn't turned it? Right, right around McAllister's in McAllister's face. face. Yeah. Love that. It made me laugh when Emery, as soon as the final whistle goes, goes straight down the tunnel. Suddenly that's flipped to, you know, people on social media saying, oh, he's letting the players tr- take credit here. <laughs> Gerard goes straight down the tunnel. He's a cunt. <laughs> it's kind of easier, isn't it, when you've won? <laughs> <laughs> no one minds when you've won it's when you've got spanked for nearly and you don't go and clap the fans it's it's whatever the narrative that suits the uh, yeah. whatever you want to put across on social media basically uh, I don't care if they go straight down the tunnel or uh, I like the idea if, if they're all in to go into the crowd like you know the clock ways yeah. especially early doors it kind of works but don't you know don't give me this crap that uh he's letting the players take or the if credit. it's just not his style he comes across a really humble he doesn't come across a loud guy does he he's not an extravert he's not an extrovert. people were referring to Gerald as like an alpha male manager it's like Amory's just like a quietly spoken great we got the job done on to the next one kind of mentality yeah but like Emery's like he's not fake that's that's who that's you yeah. can tell that's exactly who he is. he's authentic I mean well, it, he, confidence comes with age yeah. doesn't it he's, he's probably what eight years nine years older than Gerard mm. and a lot longer into his career but Gerard would be faking it yeah. if he uh was like running out to the crowd and all that kind of stuff it's like it's just it's just the cl- you know if Gerard's winning games nobody says anything well, Emery, Emery, build, yeah, Emery builds a natural connection with the fan base by winning games and turning things around and he'll build that organically you know, when he loses games, uh, this is the thing you can't judge and somebody and say, "Oh, this is what Emery does" or whatever. Because you know, when he starts, if he loses games and he's going straight down the tunnel, then people start saying, "Oh, look at him, he's going straight down the tunnel." You know, blah blah. blah. So just rem- just remember, he goes straight down the tunnel anyway. As long as they win, I don't care. So speaking of Emery, David, what's an Emery's clipboard this week? Well, I'm glad you've asked. Emery's clipboard is our uh, new little uh, ditty. Similar rules to uh, Scott Hogan's touch count, where whoever's on the show, it's a three-way fandandingo uh, on on this uh, episode. I think we just do one round, keep it sweet. Two guesses each, maybe a third one if needed. We are entering the world of uh, on this Emery's clipboard of uh, these lovely statistics that we love to hate. Last week, we talked about field tilt. Do you know what field tilt is, Dan Rogers? I've been told I can't do it anymore. <laughs> this week we will talk about ppda do you know what that is per something or other i know what it is pints pies dicks and asses (laughs) dicks and asses (laughs) no (laughs) pints pies dicks and asses no it's not it's uh, passes allowed per defensive action which really should be pa PDA, but uh, you know, never mind. What does that mean? I don't know. So I think the idea of passes allowed per defensive action is to give you some kind of kind of quantification of the aggressiveness of high presses employed by teams. How fast it takes to get the ball back, essentially. Just like the extent of the high press mm-hmm. as well, the intensity of the press. Are you still with us, Dan Rogers? Yeah, I just realised I hate modern football for exactly this reason. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too. How many passes the defence makes before the other team interrupted? Yeah, 
that kind of mm. vibe. Data in journalism per se is is a growing, growing industry for many reasons. But uh, so PPDA, the team that uh, let's have let's say the lowest uh, amount uh, against them. I'm presuming it's be City, surely. It's not. Wow. It's uh, Leeds. I mean, they are like they're still playing in warp speed. Then apparently they run more than they did under Bielsa. Uh, I don't know where I got that from. I was reading it or uh, watching something, but apparently they're actually more intense. Anyway, they're nine point six eight, and I will be asking for a point, point, and then two digits. So they're number one in the PPDA table. Number twenty, as they were in the field tilt of Bournemouth, with eighteen point. Six five. So we're talking about a spectrum of 9.68 all the way down to 18.65. So the question is, where are Villa in the scheme of this? But uh, what is their PPDA? Who's going first? Phil Shaw, you uh, won last time, so you can decide where you want to go. Actually, you decide I'll the go order. first then. Who's going second? Chris can third? go second, and Dan can win, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just need to Google this. Right then. <laughs> no, no, don't Google. No, Google. That's the whole fucking idea. Right. So, uh, PPDA, go for I'll it. I'll go Villa then 13.8. Phil goes 13.8. Chris? Uh, 12.6. 12.6 from the bird. So, Bournemouth was 18 points something, and they were 20th. Hmm. Yeah, they eighteen point mm. six five. They were the lowest. So. And last week's, uh, we said I said that Bournemouth were the lowest in the field tilt, and Phil guessed actually lower than the team that were twentieth for Villa. So. Mm. What about uh, something like sixteen point? Eight nine. We go into a second round. Oh. Uh, I should say, uh, if you get within point uh, zero two, I'll call it a direct hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So go for that double digits after the point, right, Phil Shaw? Right. I'll go fourteen point five three. Chris um, Burke. I was. I should have given you a clue, but never mind. <laughs> it would be unfair. Fourteen. Now. Point one two. One two. Dan Rogers. Maybe I should give Dan Rogers a clue. Fourteen point one three. <laughs> one three. Oh, right, the clue. Again. The clue is Aston Villa are actually seventh oh. on the PPDA table. Oh. Phil Shaw, quick. quick Eleven point nine two. Oh, he's gone for it. Eleven point nine two. Chris Burke. Um, Ten point six eight. Aggressive. Once you say they're seventh, it got really aggressive. <laughs> Ten point six nine. Too aggressive, guys. In fact. We, we just wasted a couple of minutes of our life, sir, because Chris Budd was very close oh. with 12.6. Oh. It was actually 12.56. Oh. But what does it mean? Point <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows. What it means is we're all losers. <laughs> just think of the cumulative time us and all of our listeners have just lost. <laughs> Everyone reflect for a moment but, upon uh, Manchester City actually eighth behind uh, Villa with 12.8. what does that say? What does that actually tell us? What does it mean? Chelsea are second, Liverpool third, then it's Newcastle. I think, I mean, I mean, Chelsea throws a spanner in the works because they haven't actually been really doing it result-wise. But Liverpool, you would say, oh, okay. Newcastle would probably be, then it's Arsenal in fifth and Brighton in sixth. So the team's that have a low PPDA seem to be doing well. But Leeds, I think that's just from how they, uh, what they're told well, to do. That would suggest to me that Leeds are very inefficient. They work bloody hard to get nothing. 
But Villa being seventh in terms of passes allowed per defensive action, well, it suggests we're working hard at least. Yeah, which uh, is is kind of a contrary to uh, what people have been saying. But uh, I think it's just we haven't honed our craft uh, as opposed to uh, the effort put in. Well, it's like when you know whenever a new manager comes in, the first thing people say is, "Oh, we better get, we better start getting them fit." Yeah. It always, always makes me laugh, that one. Right, uh, thank you very much for competing in that, and well done for Chris's first guess. Almost hit the bullseye on the head. Right, let's get into, uh, before we go, reasons to be cheerful. What what are you thinking, Dan Rogers? I don't mean in life in general, I mean as a, <laughs> yeah, as a Villa fan. I not any, 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 any wisdom, <laughs> uh, to be reassured. Reasons to be cheerful, well, mid, mid-season friendlies, that's, that's a first, I think outside of COVID <laughs> and winning on Boxing Day. That's something to be cheerful and to look forward Ooh, to. I'd love that, Dan. Ooh. There you go. Winning? You, you have, yeah, but it hasn't happened Yeah, but yet. we've got a PPDA S10 of XG5, so, <laughs> so which some bell end in the press is probably... Which, which means it's done. Yeah, it's a sure thing. <laughs> Chris well, it's nice that, you know, as Dan said with the, the mid-season friendly thing, it's nice that I think we're kind of bedding Unai in for his, like, getting him used to Thursday nights playing in Europe. Or the championship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Tuesdays <laughs> and Thursdays. I think more, more. I think it. It feels like we have. Gerard said it, but bullshitted it. But it does feel like we've turned a bit of a corner now. You know, you've beaten two, two you've, games. I think we've beaten. We've beaten two good teams, and we beat Brentford, who were playing well. We went to Old Trafford and gave a good, a good account of ourselves. You can see what we're trying to do, which bodes well for the second half of the season. You think, right, this team, which we said so many times. There's so much upside. It looks like we might have a guy who can actually access that upside. I don't know about this turning the corner thing. It's only a small corner. Liverpool. It's not like we've come. Liverpool, Liverpool and Spurs next. That If we got, uh, let's say if we didn't lose both of those, I think you, you could carry the narrative on. I mean, the fact that three out of the last four we've won compared to two out of the last 11 suggests that yep. uh, yeah, we have got a foot around the corner at least. Yep. Uh, Phil I'm just sure. glad that we managed to wind up another team rather than us being the ones that get wound up can you imagine if we play that anti-football against Klopp and get a result like that I mean there'll oh. be a meltdown yeah I mean we've had a few decent games against Liverpool recently where we've been close but they've they've done us in the last minute or two I'm thinking about the one that uh, Grealish mm. wasn't yeah, the two uh, fit for yeah, and they just well, basically, basically all the games it, at Villa Park we've played against them since we've come back into the Premier League. They've all been good games. Yeah, and they've just bombarded us at the end. And I think with the way Emery, what we've discussed about how he kind of shuts a game down, I think he would probably do that. You know, if we were level pegging with ten minutes to go against Liverpool to make sure we didn't drop the point, that could be a, an interesting uh, situation. I mean, mine uh, reason to be cheerful. I would say that that meeting the last time. Uh, I spoke to Perslow at that uh, consultation for the for the new crest. He he said the aim was to be in the mix at the break for the World Cup. I mean, they had literally had to sack the manager to obtain that. But those two wins, it's a bit like uh, remember under Julio when he had his heart attack and we had those two last games and we were still in that relegation picture and then we beat Arsenal and Liverpool nobody expected that and we suddenly catapulted up to ninth and it changed the complexion well, totally. suddenly is it four, four points off Chelsea or something ridiculous it's kind of like we're right back in the mix all of a sudden one off uh, ninth or something three off or three or four off seventh which is mental when you think about how bad we've been and actually if you'd have managed to win one of the games at Leeds or Forest that you should have won well that's it's just like talk about ifs and buts yeah. but in terms of uh, the same Arsenal uh, Liverpool in that Julio season we weren't expected 
to win those. Same with Manchester United and Brighton. Anybody would have said if we lost both of those games, you wouldn't have been surprised even with a new manager. So it changes like that two games, winning those two games did back then. It changes the complexion. And obviously that was the end of that season, but this is uh, still got half a season to go. So it should be interesting to see how uh, that manifests itself in terms of momentum coming back. Chase down the myth in third. That's all we need to do. But the intriguing thing is what will happen over these six weeks and how much of an improvement will we see? And as we said, we've only got four players at the World Cup. So after like a two-week holiday break, they'll be back at it. And uh, I mean, whether we'll see a drastic improvement, that will be uh, interesting to see if there will be a tangible difference. And how much you know, how much business he thinks he needs to do in January? You know, if he thinks, well, I'm happy with how, I'm, you know, how these guys are doing, I'm com- content with what I've got for now, or whether he thinks actually I've managed to get a tune out of them for a couple of games, but there's this surgery I want to do. And how is he going to fit Ronaldo into the starting eleven? It's a, yeah. It is a quandary. <laughs> but I, I don't see... I, you know, I've always maintained we, we are doesn't matter you know Smith Gerard we have we have been building a squad and this isn't like something like oh Emery comes in and he rips it up as I as I I've, as I've maintained I think he's seen this squad and that's part of the reason he said well yeah there's a good foundation here and that's why I've taken the job it's not like Newcastle where you looked at that team and you go wow well, shit you know that's like major surgery and perhaps at that time a season you know when I say Newcastle I meant like a, a year ago and that factored into him turning it down but this one it's like well yeah there's actually uh there's enough there so i don't think you're talking about you know mass wholesale changes i'm thinking one or two you could say it could even be just one player knits it all together yeah i think one or two i think that's all we're going to get and that's all we're going to need i think at this stage of the game because we've you know we have uh hindered our potential by a very sloppy start but at the same time because of the way the season's so gone, everyone it's it's not well. That's exactly. It's not dead in the water. There's still. You could even talk about Europe at this stage. It's that, uh, and that's the pragmatic conversation as well. It's not pie in the sky. Right. We will be back during the World Cup and throughout the World Cup because uh, the Villa show has not finished. There will be games. There will be news. There will be views. Please do uh, follow the show on Twitter at said Same. Uh, handle for uh, Instagram and Facebook as well so join us on there as well as well as uh, making sure you do follow the podcast uh, on whatever podcast app you listen to so you will have notifications of when it pops because it won't be like as systematic every Monday or Tuesday maybe it will I'm I'm sure it'll be recording uh, at the weekends but uh, if you uh, follow it on a podcast app uh, you won't need any uh, second guessing Uh, it will pop up straight away right any final words before we disappear off? it's soon christmas jumper season everybody oh yes i'll <laughs> oh, get out of here <laughs> i'll look forward to my special delivery from uh a dungeon hang on you're not supposed to talk about <laughs> yeah don't talk about qatar fifa or dungeons <laughs> on that note it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye 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 days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.